You're about to experience ultrasounds, an uplifting soulful journey into the spheres of exotic electronic music. Brought to you by DJ Elove. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Kick back and get ready to seriously unwind. And you're tuned in to Ultrasounds right here on WMNF. Tampa 88.5 on your dial, Community Conscious Radio. And tonight we have special guest live from the West Coast, Ayurvedic therapist and former fashion model Yogi Cameron. He's right here on Ultrasounds and he's been featured on various media outlets, including the Today Show, Dr. Oz, The Ellen Show, and you may know him also from his starring role in Madonna's Express Yourself video. He's the author of The Guru in You and The One Plan. Greetings and welcome to the Ultrasounds Show. Thank you so much, Elu. How are you? Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. It's a gorgeous night here on the East Coast. (laughs) How is it over there? Uh, lovely. By the beach here, uh, outside of LA, and uh, yeah, weather's good. Nice. Let's start off with a little bit about the music that I just played. This is your Mantra Grooves album. How did that come about, the musical enterprise? I've known Masood Ali Khan for, well, um, probably since 1986. I remember getting on a boat from... Well, I got a train to a boat to go over the English Channel to France. At that time, we didn't have money, so we weren't flying anywhere. And uh, I remember meeting him on the boat because he was going over to uh, Paris to do the fashion shows. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we hit it off. So I've known him a long time, and then he's become an exceptional musician uh, in that time. And last year, um, we were just chatting, and I said, yeah, that's... You know, we do mantras a lot. Let's put something together. And he brought some other musicians. Like, um, and uh, we did this little album. So it's, it's kind of groovy. It is groovy. It is absolutely wonderful and the perfect vibe for this show and uh, just starting off the evening. So thank you. Mm. So after your enormous success as a model, what was the impetus? How did you decide to shift your focus to working as an Ayurvedic yoga therapist? There was a moment, um, you know, modeling is one of those things, you can't do it forever, right? Mm. Not, you could be a hairdresser forever, you could be a makeup artist, you could be a designer. Um, I mean, you can be a model forever, but it's not advisable. <laughs> 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 it's, one, it's kind of one of those things you want to pop in and pop out of um, because it's, uh, fashion looks for new faces, looks for new energy and things. You get much older in the fashion business than you actually are. Mm. <laughs> so it's one of those things that you, um, you have to allow them to stay at a party. Uh, all parties have a great groove for a while and then that groove suddenly goes away. And And I felt that in 1996. Eight. Um, I was in Nelson Mandela's house in South Africa, and uh, it was a beautiful moment. You know, Kate Moss, Naomi Campbell, all these beautiful um, women and um, great models. And uh, there was, an, and then on the other side of the 
road, we have Mandela, who had just come out of prison, who had spent 27 years in jail and really was so peaceful about all of it. And, um, and something, you know, clicked, and I said, you know, I've been 12 years in the business. It's been great to me, and, uh, you know, I've sort of plateaued in it. There's really not much else to do. Um, one of the down things of doing everything in the fashion business is, you know, even if people use and um, there's really nothing to do except repeat the same thing. And um, so I thought it's a great time to part ways, um, but I didn't know what I was going to do in life. Um, I wasn't trained to do anything, and um, I just knew I have this calling to leave that world and go on another endeavor. But what that endeavor was, I had no idea. And um, after about three or four years of searching and doing some other things, uh, I started, became a yoga teacher. And in the first week of training, so I trained for six months. And then in the first week of teaching, I realized, you know, I don't really want to be a yoga teacher. Um, I want to live more of a yogic path. And, um, but something's missing in the full thing. And um, I'd read about Ayurvedic medicine in Dr. Frawley's book, and um, he mentioned a place in India. I called them up. I, I had room, and I went down there, and I realized, oh, I need a guru. I need a teacher. And there, there was uh, Dr. Vasudeva, who became my guru. And I started to train in Ayurveda and found out that Ayurveda and yoga are the sister science always go together. So I did... Uh, so training that and um, sort of suddenly now it's 15 years has gone by nearly 14 years something like that and uh, and I'm in my groove of teaching and sharing the path with others when you speak about this you're very calm and relaxed and I can sense the inner peace that you're experiencing if you were to rewind and go to that stage where you had just decided that you wanted to leave and in between that first kind of calling and then the part where you actually started to do the yoga teaching, that period, what was that like for you? Was it tumultuous? Was it emotionally draining? How did it feel to you to go through that experience? Yeah, that few years was, I would say, a lot of apprehension because when you don't know your direction in life, you're kind of shooting in all different directions. Uh, luckily, I had done the fashion thing. I traveled the world. I met a lot of people. I knew what that world was about and the high life. So something within me was like, I really want to go inward. I don't want to go outward. So I had for at least, you know, uh, remove 50% of the searching in that sense. Um, and then I always I had been doing yoga since 1986, 87, um, at the Shivananda Center in Paris. And I was like, there's something to this. I just don't know what it is. And I continued to do the practice um, slowly, slowly. And uh, I think it, it had its moments of, you know, where do I go? Why am I not being guided? Um, but also at that time, I didn't have a continuous practice every day. You know, since I've been to India some 14 years ago, daily practice has taken over and the sadhana we do and the meditation, it's daily, it's every morning, it goes on for uh, about three hours. And that 
is what grounds me now. At that time, I didn't have that grounding, so it was a lot about looking for work and business and what am I going to make money at and what's going to happen. Um, there's some peace about it, but at the same time, a lot of apprehension of, well, what's happening? I, especially when you come off a great career and you're being successful, you've kind of tasted success, and now nobody's really calling you. They don't really know what you're up to, and... Um, so you feel a little bit lost within the waters, knowing that you will get there, but you're kind of lost. The reason why I asked is many, many people are functioning in this way and continue to function in this way. Mm. And it's it's almost epidemic where people are doing things that they don't really want to do. They're doing it for the sake of doing it, but not mm. for their true calling from their own spiritual guidance system that has yeah. guided them there. Mm, exactly. Well, if you're, you know, one thing I never did was avoid things. If I saw things were going to get really difficult, I kind of went right into it, met it, and said, okay, this is what i got to go through now. There's a difference between going through something one time or two times and then you learn your lesson and you come out of it and you have the know-how and the knowledge to take on the next difficulty. It's another thing to go around in circles doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So from a uh, young age, being born up in Iran and um, we kind of got displaced from Iran, um, we had to leave all our belongings and all our money and kind of run away in a way. I understood at that time, oh, even if your parents have money or we have security, nobody can actually help you even if they want to help you. You're going to have to walk this path with everybody else, but at any moment you could get yanked out of your path and you're going to have to deal with it. Nobody is going to be able to save you. So with that in mind, I've always, even up to now, when I've had to readjust um, living as a yogi and the things that I do, um, I've come to understand if you see the difficulty, go straight into it, get it over with, deal with it, know what the lesson is and move on because you don't want to be um, mulling in that difficulty for too long because the difficulty gets even more and more and more exaggerated when you stay in it too long. You know, And especially with what you're talking about, purpose, for example, what is my purpose? You've got to contemplate that and you've got to face it and know that it's going to come up with some answers. You're going to come up with some answers through the spirit that say your purpose is in Africa doing that. But what are you going to do about it? You're going to either have to fight it or accept it. But you will end up in Africa, whether it's in this lifetime or in the next. <laughs> it's interesting that you said you have to kind of come to it. I think one of the things that people miss sometimes is taking that time mm. and spending that quiet time because it can be confronting. Mm. Oh, yeah. And uncomfortable. Yeah. And people be uncomfortable. naturally want to avoid pain by inducing pleasure somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's, it's very much indicative of our society. We're told as a young child to look, you know, have fun, 
And then as an adult, you're looking for a few things. You're looking for comfort. You're looking for entertainment. You're looking for enjoyment. So anything that doesn't bring you those things, you deem it as difficult. Whereas life is not always supposed to be comfortable or entertaining or enjoyable. It's supposed to be a lesson and it's supposed to be, you know, teaching you things. Um, especially for it to be a meaningful life. So of course, at times you're going to have money problems. At other times you're going to have other issues. So it's just going to come and go. And if you accept it as part of your path, then you're okay with it. Um, it's when you fight it and you start to say, why me? Then you're going to have a problem with it. What you resist persists. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, any kind of resistance um, bounces back. It's like um, when people are doing yoga postures and they're pushing. That pushing just you know pushes back against you. So you're you're working against yourself, basically. Well, this is interesting because the whole hot yoga concept has become very popular, mm. and yet many people are fighting against their dosha, their natural mm. dosha, with that practice because mm -hmm. they think that it's invigorating and they actually get addicted to that kind of activity. Mm -hmm. What can yeah. you uh, advise for this? Uh, our last newsletter a couple of weeks ago dealt with this, a lot of questions about hot yoga. And I said, you know, my opinion doesn't matter. I just go back to the, to the Vedas, we go back to the Upanishads, the teachings where yoga came from. And the, the description of yoga being of balance and of unity, you know, um, sort of Bikram and hot yoga just goes totally against that. Um, as a practitioner, if you're okay with that, well, you're fine doing hot yoga. If you're looking for balance, you're not going to find it in hot yoga. Let's talk about the doshas and what a dosha is for mm -hmm. the listeners that are not familiar with this uh, principle in Ayurvedic. Hmm. Dosha just means element. So science, uh, agrees that there are five elements in the world. You have ether and air and fire, water and earth, and a mixture of these elements make up absolutely everything in the world. So whether it's a table, whether it's your body, whether it's a book, a carpet, whatever it is, is made of a mixture of these five elements. And everything has the five elements within it. And to keep the body in balance and the mind in balance, we need to keep these doshas or elements in balance in our body. So that is the basic principle of doshas. And when we live in a sort of balanced and sattvic way, which means balance, uh, then the doshas are kind of like small waves. They bounce up and down, they hit us in the face once in a while, but they never knock us out. And when we live in an unbalanced way, that means eating foods that don't are not compatible with us, um, entertainment, which is not good for us, um, anything basically that arouses the senses too much and excites them um, or makes them very tired is, <coughs> excuse me, uh, unbalancing. So the doshas will move around too much. So, for example, the fire element may get too much and you become hot. So to balance it, you've got to do something to cool it down. So this is, this is the basic principle of uh, energy in the body. Now, on your website, you actually have a dosha quiz that people can take, mm -hmm. which is really cool. 
Yeah. Yeah, the dosha quiz basically gives you some um, imbalances or the balances of the mind and the body. Usually most dosha quizzes that you take only tell you what's happening in the, in the body. Um, I've attached the mind there too because first thing my guru taught me was body and mind cannot be separated. So anytime you're dealing with anything uh, in your life, always think body and mind, not just body or mind. Is it easier for a person to shift the physical or the mental if they have one really out of balance? Which is the way in? Mm, depends who you are. You know, um, Ideally, you want to quickly put the, the dosha or the elements in the body, correct them because they're doing damage to your body. And automatically as you put the doshas in the body correct, they already have a great effect on the mind. Uh, whereas if you try to put the uh, elements in the mind in their place, uh, because the mind is ruling the body, that may be more difficult. Interesting. But, yeah, because the body is kind of, uh, the mind is kind of the master gland that tells the body what to do. So if it's out of control, you may not be able to bring it in control. You may need, especially say you're emotional or you're having anxiety, you might have to do it by lying on the floor and calming the body down, and then that has a calming effect on the mind. So the two things uh, that I, I was thinking would be pretty impactful on the body and the mind would be trauma and addictions. Yeah, both of those are extremes. So Ayurveda... Yogic path is always about, or, um, when we're talking about hot yoga, is stay away from the extremes. Because the extremes of too hot or too cold uh, will always uh, have a bad effect on the body. An extreme is individual. So my extreme is slightly different than your extreme. So you may be able to um, tolerate different amounts of heat where I can't. So my extreme is a little bit um, sort of... Uh, the same sun at 75 degrees maybe affects me badly, but it doesn't have an effect on you. So your extreme wouldn't be 75 degrees. It would be more. So we have to kind of take it individually. And uh, you were involved with Varia Living, starring in your own show with mm. uh, many, many people experiencing all different maladies of sorts between... Uh, not taking care of themselves physically, emotionally, mentally, <laughs> mm -hmm. food-wise. And one, one of the challenges that I uh, saw was working with someone that had had uh, trauma from uh, mm -hmm. being in the army. Mm, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was actually one of the most difficult cases because when you're dealing with somebody he, who can't be in a crowd... He was very uncomfortable in a crowd. They just can't focus, you know, and um, trauma in that sort of sense keeps coming back in their mind and it relives itself. So it's uh, not very easy treating people like that. Um, they often need to go to facilities where everything around them, um, they can't live in a regular house. They need to be around um, certain music. They need to be around certain people who speak a certain way. Voices are never risen, you know. So he was one of the more difficult uh, people for sure. 
And is there a protocol that one would go through if they were going through an Ayurvedic course within this treatment for trauma? Yeah, well, we deal with body, mind, and spirit because on the body level, we want to see what damage have you done and how can we repair that damage. In the mind level, we want to see, you know, how far have you gone down that road and can we bring you back all the way or some of the way? And spiritually speaking, we want to see how much of this is your karma? How much of this do you have to go through? Um, because again, we can't avoid certain karma. We just, we have to head it straight into it and live it and come out of it. So we deal with it really mind, body and spirit. And how do you know what's your karma and what you've brought on? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be very astute and very observant. Um, people, you know, that's why we usually start to make the body feel better so people don't have pain then start making the mind more peaceful. Then spiritually from inside, you know, the spirit, that intuition starts to speak to you and that voice becomes louder. Um, and for some people, they can't hear it. So it's, um, it's not always clear, the, the last bit. And what kind of damage have you seen from addictions that have had uh, impacts on people? Mm. You know, addiction is um, everywhere, pretty much, because um, it, it, it's a funny thing, and I say this in a very light way. Um, I kind of blame Oprah for everything, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll explain why. Uh, if you cut off your show right there, it wouldn't have sounded very good. <laughs> um, it. You know, we have a culture of speaking about everything and everybody's talking about everything and they sort of brought their emotions to the surface and um, and sort of, um, in a funny way, and I joke about it, Oprah kind of encouraged people to do that on TV and everybody did it. And, and what happened was, by speaking about your issues all the time, you're actually um, empowering these issues. So... Addic being addictive um, or addicted to things, on one hand, yes, it's good to acknowledge certain things, but it's not always helpful to keep chatting about them. So the culture that we live in, more addiction, because people are, oh, I'm addicted to food, oh, I'm addicted to this, oh, if I do that too long, then is that an addiction? Um, whereas if you have something that's standing in the way of your you know, balance, which is how we look at it in Ayurveda and yoga, it's just a matter of balance. If I'm eating too much food, it doesn't, you know, I don't have to start going into addiction and uh, start getting help about it. Just need to see, you know, how much food do I eat to become balanced? So suddenly I remove my problem out of the way and don't label it as a problem. And I say, you know, I can now deal with, you know, how much food is it? practically that I need. So we deal with it in a slightly different way. But of course, if somebody's addicted to drugs and alcohol and things like that, I don't really treat those kind of people. Um, they need to go into facilities and you know, be treated in a, in a whole different way because they're basically out of control. So there's no 
there's no sort of having this kind of conversation with them. I think food addiction is probably the most common where people get addicted to sugar and different products. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, most of the food um, processed. Uh, so, when, you know, most of the people are not eating even first-generation food anymore. Um, and then, of course, the sugars and everything. Um, but one thing we have now in our culture is we have everybody sort of advocating something. So you have the people who are against sugar, and then you have the people against fat, and then you have the people against meat, then you have the people against... So we're not getting together and having a conversation and saying, you know what, we all need to start doing this together um, and advocating all things that are not good for us. Uh, so we're not doing that sort of thing. Boys out there which are saying great things but in bit. So we're never going to take care of the issue because we're not combining our efforts instead of um, sort of individualizing them. It's very generalized. Mm, yeah. And very. so it seems that one of the beautiful things about Ayurvedic and looking at the body and the whole system as a dosha and kind of approaching it from a point of view of balance. You know, it's okay to have some fat. It's okay to have something that's sweet. Choosing something that is of a higher grade of, say, mm -hmm. honey as opposed to white sugar, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. You need sugar. It's just, it's a fact. You need sugar and you need fat. If you don't have those two things in your body, you will not survive very well. Um, but like you say, it's, uh, it's a matter of picking the, the correct kind of sugar that your body can metabolize and then use. So everything you put into your body, you should look at is, can my body turn this into nutrition, take the nutrition out of it, and then turn it into this body and energy. If it can't, then I'm just eating for pleasure, basically. Um, if it can, well, great. Then if I can actually find something for pleasure and it's nutritious, well, great. That's kind of the, that's kind of where we're heading or we should be heading. Mm, and the other thing is that when people are eating, that they be mindful and in gratitude, for example, rather than preoccupied. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm, oh, you mean on their telephones and TV? Yeah. And everything. <laughs> yeah, that's another issue as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything. This is where modernization has its flaws, and um, yeah, you know, a lot of people ask me, "Wow, time is going so quickly." And I say, "Well, if you really look at it, there is no time. Take the clock away. What is the time? It's just one day." And everybody gets 24 hours in a day. And it's how you spend that 24 hours. If you run around all day in that 24 hours, then the day's going to go pretty quickly. If you slow down a little bit, the day will go slower. But really, it's in your approach to the day and not that you need actually more hours in a day. Right. It's how you use it and how you think about it. Well, I imagine... How many people are like saying, you know what, life is so short and I want to live longer and I'm scared of dying and I want to look ageless and all of these things that everybody's sort of talking about. But meanwhile, you're running like at a, in a hundred mile an hour race um, towards the end. Why don't you slow down and do the marathon and that way it will last a while longer. <laughs> Stop and smell the roses. 
Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, but again, it's it's not an easy life. It, it's, uh, put it this way: life is not set up for a peaceful way of living. That's for sure. It's all set up for go, go, go. Okay, so given that, people often have misconceptions about someone like yourself or people in celebrity status, thinking that. These people are so happy and they have everything that they want and need. And it's a very interesting dynamic mm. because we're all human beings. We all have thoughts and feelings and trials and tribulations. And yet we may not see that on the other side. So we make assumptions and even about other people in our yeah. sphere because of the masks that they wear. So it's interesting how we have this kind of view of others and this separation, this feeling of separation, when we're really all one from the same essence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better not to even think about others in that terms because, or like I do, I, I just, when I think about people, I go, everybody's going through something. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's, they don't have money troubles, then they have other troubles. You know, if it's not relationship, then it's work. If it's not work, it's something else. Even if they have absolutely everything they want in the world, they have an anxiety that they don't have something that they don't know about. You know, so everybody has absolutely something that's just nagging at them, and it's because um, that's the way the world is set up. You know, we haven't. Yeah, I don't know how many thousands of years ago when people were just born, they lived on the floor, they slept on the floor, they went out, they picked berries and they ate off the ground and, you know, all it was about was survival. And um, even then, they had to think about the difficulty of survival. So now we have the difficulties of paying mortgages and buying a house or having children or whatever it is and all that. There's just too many things that we're thinking about, and it's just too much for one person, basically. And we don't live in tribes anymore, and we don't basically live in communities where we support each other. Right. So, you know, we're, we're kind of, everybody's going at it alone. And of course, it's way too much pressure. Is your lifestyle strict? Would you say that it's a strict kind of lifestyle? Yeah. My lifestyle, if you if you look at it, or um, I don't know if um, just a regular person who looks at it would say my lifestyle is pretty extreme. Um, but as a yogi, I, 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 my wife and I, we follow the yogic path. There's certain teachings. Our practice has to come first in the morning before um, we kind of even say hello. Um, so, you know, Looking as an outsider, it would say, oh, that's extreme. But if another yogi looked into our life or you know, so when we live, we live part of the time in a small village in India, they just think we're normal, you know, because they're doing the same thing all day as well. You right. know? So it, it, it just all depends on who you are and what you're doing, and uh, how you compare it to somebody else. Um, but I don't think my life is extreme. No, I, I think, on the contrary, I could be doing more practice and more things to, on the yogic path if I, if I could. Changing the subject here, I'm going to talk about uh, cucumbers and water. 
Mm, <laughs> I just yeah, thought about not, that. Not a good thing. <laughs> Why? Because people put it in in their drinks. I was at a hotel recently and they have water in the hotel with cucumbers in there and people yeah. are drinking it. What's the story with that? What <laughs> has to do with elements. At the beginning we were talking about elements. Um, if you look at everybody and everything as just elements, you know, does it have more fire? Does it have more earth? Does it have more water? Does it more have more uh, ether, um, air? Then you have no problem with anything because there's no opinion in it. So when I look at cucumber and water, I see, oh, there's the element of water. And then I look at a cucumber. What is a cucumber made of? Water. Most of it is water, exactly. Mm. So I see the element of water, um, and within water there's earth as well. So when it goes inside of you, obviously if you eat the skin as well um, and all of those kind of things, or even if you don't, it's two elements of water clash together, right? That's why. It's too much um, sort of earth, uh, wateriness, earthiness going on so in, it's the, in the body. Yeah, um, it, It's not so much, I mean, I'll clarify, it's not so much when... Uh, you drink uh, the water uh, of the cucumber. It's when you eat the cucumber and the water together. That's that's when it's more of a problem. So if it's you had it, a, it's, yeah, it's not so much the flavor going into the water. That's that's not a, a problem at all. It's when people eat cucumbers and drink the water as well, or blend it in a blender. Yeah, although blending it um, takes out the, uh, takes, you see, blending becomes uh, like water, it becomes liquid, so that's a lot more palatable for the stomach and it can take it. Although it's not still a good mixture, it can still deal with it uh, better because it's already broken down. It's when we eat incompatible foods and then we put drinks on top of them, the body has to break down the food. The drink passes pretty quickly, but the food doesn't. It could take hours and hours to digest. So, for example, when you eat meat, it takes hours and hours to digest meat. Uh, it has no uh, very little water content. So it just has to do with elements. Are we eating too much of one element, right? If we eat the potatoes and then the rice and then the meat, it's too much too much earthiness going on. That's why everybody feels so heavy and then they want to sleep. Right, right. And then they right. drink during their meals and they put water yeah. on top of it. So you're putting earthiness on top of earthiness and then it becomes sludge in the stomach, basically, which creates, dampens the fire in the stomach, which is trying to burn that food and it kind of becomes like a smoldering fire. It takes hours and hours and hours to digest. In uh, Chinese medicine, it would be looked at as in uh, overwatering the earth, so then you get uh, floods and the w earth starts to move. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So water is wonderful. When there's too much of it, then it's not great. Uh, earth is wonderful. It grounds you. You need it, but too much of it makes you sluggish. Fire is wonderful. Uh, it, it gets a lot of passion going in the body. But too much fire burns the system out. So 
So every element has greatness to it, but as soon as it goes over the amount that you need, it suddenly causes problems in the body. How do you know when you are balanced? What does that feel like? Oh, if you could explain it in words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, as limited as uh, words are in this situation. It's when you feel uplifted. It's when you feel optimistic. It's when you feel not too excited, but you're definitely not tired. You feel in that middle ground of contentment. So you're not happy and you're not sad. Um, nothing major has happened that you're excited about. It's just you're in that middle ground of I'm, I'm well, I feel good. That's when there's balance. That's wonderful to strive for, eh? Mm, yeah. Well, this is why it's difficult to stay in that part because usually we're in the excitement bit or we're in the depression bit and we keep bouncing between. So we're passing through contentment, but we're only in it for a moment, and then we kind of, kind of go past it, um, or we, you know, dive past it one way or the other. So the the actual way we want to be is that's why we, especially as yogis, we watch what we eat, we watch what we see, we watch what we read, what we listen to, the kind of people that we interact with because we don't want any of our senses to be disturbed because we're trying to stay in contentment. Right. Yeah. And, you know, things uh, like meditation we use. Uh, meditation is a great tool to become calmer and more peaceful, but we don't really use it for that. We use meditation to reach higher consciousness, higher awareness. Um, so if we're using it because we need to calm down, that's fine. We can use it for that, um, sitting there peacefully and all the rest of it. But we're not actually getting the higher practice of meditation. So we want to first live in a very sattvic, balanced way where we are, we feel good, we feel content. And then when we come to meditate, we're not, uh, you know, we're not stressed out, we're not tired, we're not excited. We're just in that middle ground where we're calm and then we can actually start to meditate. And that's, uh, that's using meditation in the correct way. Beautiful. And you have generously offered our listeners an exclusive gift, which is a free meditation guide and a PDF booklet where they will learn five mantras that will help calm the mind. Can you speak a little mm -hmm. bit about that? Yeah. Mantras are wonderful because they're sound vibrations. Everything in the universe is a sound vibration. And if we can tune into certain sounds, uh, these vibrations, which are peaceful and calming and have much more uh, consciousness within them, uh, then um, we can become, or our minds can become uh, in a much more peaceful place at the beginning. And then eventually, as we do these mantras more, we can elevate into a higher uh, state. So it's step by step. And here I've sort of put five very common uh, mantras which are chanted, they're very powerful. And remembering that the power of mantras come in you repeating them. So a lot of times people ask me, can you give me a powerful mantra? And I say, but all mantras are powerful, mm. right? There's no secret, you know, mantras and all of these kind of things. There's 
There's mantras that you don't know about, but doesn't mean that they're a secret. It just means you don't know about them. <laughs> um, <you know? laughs> it's just kind of time to take the, all this mysticism out of things because a lot of times people are looking for a powerful mantra. And I say, you know, take a mantra and make it powerful because if Om is the beginning of all mantras, Om is very overlooked as a mantra because people are looking for other things. But Om is a powerful, powerful mantra, but the power in it lies in you repeating it yes. continuously. Right? So I think once you practice these uh, mantras, and I wouldn't say do all five. I would say take one that kind of speaks to you, practice maybe all of them for 10 minutes if, you know, every day, and, uh, and see which one really resonates with you, and then stick with it. You know, I didn't change my first mantra and for about nine years. And that came about when I was in the Himalayas and I was with a, another yogi and uh, it spontaneously came. But um, we're not sitting around swapping mantras and, you know, looking for new ones. Um, so remembering that the power in mantra is repetition of mantra. Yes, it's the practitioner that makes the magic happen by practicing. Mm. <laughs> it's all in the practice. I mean, if you ask me what is the Yogi Cameron sort of uh, doctrine or message or path, is just practice. You know, um, I'm not big on going out there and talking about it because there's a part of the population who are great, <coughs> excuse me, at teaching and speaking about things. Mm. Um, I'm of the other about things. Mm. Um, I'm of the other uh, end of the scale where we don't need to talk that much, we just need to practice. Because once you practice, you get experience. And why should I sit there and talk to you about your experience when you haven't had it yet? Let's right. first have the experience through practice, then we can talk about your experience. And even then, you may... You may not need to talk about it because you've already had the experience. And the experience shifts as you have it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, it, and it keeps shifting. So trying to talk about it is somewhat useless uh, because it does evolve. So, yeah, experience always trumps talking and you know, discussing. Um, that's why I saw the scientists and spiritualists and everybody is kind of talking a lot about these things um, but they're not practicing a lot of it so they need to um, but that's okay if you choose to just talk about things that's all okay as well but I can tell you from my experience if you practice every day and you make spirituality a practice every morning uh, before you do anything else um, and you don't worry about how many minutes and all the rest of it you just do it you do it with an open heart um, a lot of magic happens in your life. Yes. For me, the mantras have been um, magnificent and also, in a way, it, it seems that they kind of loosen the karma. They, they, mm -hmm. I don't know whether it's dissolving or shaking it up and then you kind of clear it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. They do. They clear things, they shake things up, they yes. rattle things. But, <laughs> you know, but, but how peaceful do you feel about it? Because you know, oh, okay, I'm on the right path. Oh my goodness, you know? yes. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. It's a totally different way of living than just a regular person who's dealing with life. We, we're still dealing with life. Everything's still the same there, but it's just we have an acceptance of things that says, this is the way life is, and now we, what are you going to do, stop living? That's not an option. <laughs> I had one of my friends ask me, um, did I make a vow because I chant every day? And I chant uh, several mantras. You know, it can take an hour just to do the practice. And I said, no, I just, I made a vow to myself, but not to anyone else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you also, I'm sure you know, you feel this is, if you don't do your practice, then you're like, well, what what else do I have in in my life? (laughs) It doesn't matter what else I have in my life. If I don't do my practice, then it seems like I have nothing. I can't imagine not doing it after <clears throat> doing it for so many years. Exactly. It's who yeah. I am and it's my truth, part of how I navigate through this life. It's one of my tools. Mm. And uh, also a blessing to be able to be inspired by the practice itself. Mm creatively and emotionally and spiritually and it does shake things up but it's better to shake them up and get them moving than have them stagnant and uh, Mm -hmm. you know kind of sitting there for (laughs) a plethora of time (laughs) yeah yeah well things are going to shake up anyway so it might as well shake up in uh, in a spiritual way because it will have a meaning instead of shaking up in and other ways that you, you're kind of lost and you have no idea what it means. Yes. It's really a support system. Yes, exactly. It becomes, becomes your community. <laughs> Wanted to thank you so much, Deepika and Jen, also for their uh, help putting all this together. The two gifts that you have given us uh, for tonight is the Meditation Guide PDF booklet with the five mantras and then for all the listeners who download the free guide there's a special limited offer 20% off your latest meditation CD set which is fabulous mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the uh, meditation CD set before we uh, sign off there's many questions people have about uh, meditation so I've answered seven of them very quickly within a minute and a half two minutes each uh, I answer those questions of why meditate, how to meditate, where to meditate. And then I've laid out seven different ways to meditate. Um, because often than not, people's frustrations are, well, I just don't know what to choose. And really, the meditation practice should choose you. Um, your personality is very individual. So you want to find something that you can fit your personality into uh, and your character, not the other way around. So there's mantras there, there's following the breath, there's visualization. Um, so there's seven different you know, ways of meditating that you can choose according to your capabilities and your interests and your character. And, um, and you'll find I don't really guide you so much. I describe it, I start you off, and then I kind of leave you in it because... You know, I'm not a proponent of guided meditation in that sense because somebody keeps talking all the time and you're trying to meditate, it's counterproductive. So it's more about, um, you know, starting you, giving you the flashlight in the dark and then, you know, telling you the path is in front of you. And, um, and then you'll work it out, you know. Nice. 
Thank you so much for joining us, sweetheart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Much love. I'm going to give everyone details on uh, all of the gifts. Many blessings mm. to you and your partner and lots of love. Thank you so much for having me on and it's been such a lovely, lovely time speaking to you. Thank you. Much love. Many blessings, sweetheart. Okay. Namaste. Namaste. And we've been speaking with Yogi Cameron. And Yogi has generously offered a free meditation guide booklet where you will learn the mantras. And then for all the listeners who download the free guide, there is the uh, limited time offer to get the latest meditation CD set. And the promo code that you need to use is shown at the back of the mantra guide. So to get the mantra guide, you can go to yogicameron.com slash ultrasounds you've been listening to ultrasounds with dj e love peace and love until next week